are you today? I'm good, John. How are you? Good. I know this is our first uh, conversation of the new year. And, you know, I know it's always tradition to say Happy New Year. But I think this year uh, we're just hoping for a normal new year. And I guess the, the way I would start off is as we are going, uh, as we are recording today, it's January 6th. And I sat down a couple of days ago with our friend and colleague, uh, Dennis Lormel, and asked him a number of questions about what we've learned in the past year regarding the horrific acts of January 6th. And we posted that it's online for people to see and on social media. But I thought we'd spend a couple of minutes um, just talking about uh, going forward and going forward from the standpoint of the AML community, because obviously as a society, uh, the, the president had very strong statements today, as did the vice president. Uh, as we are recording, members of Congress who unfortunately were through that horrific day are recounting that. And we have to understand, as the president said, the scars before we can heal. But going forward as a community that deals with financial information, suspicious activity reporting, I, I, I guess I'd highlight a couple things. One is there was a story, uh, I, I believe it was in the Washington Post, past couple of days, that said members of the administration, uh, they're still working on uh, not just what went wrong, but what we can learn from last January. And one of the things that I know our community embraces is they felt there was a gap in information sharing and partnering among the agencies. I know that's something that when that works, it helps all of us, right? Yes, absolutely. And it's been a theme in other things. I mean, going all the way back to the uh, 9-11 Commission report. Um, and we, we talked a lot about 9-11 last fall with the 20th anniversary. Information sharing among intelligence agencies was a key uh, takeaway coming out of there. So when we have these events that um, go so terribly wrong, uh, oftentimes what we find out is that the mechanisms for sharing what we did know going into them uh, either were broken or had never been built. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's any sort of positives that we've seen in the past couple of days in terms of reporting, I've seen some reports. Well, one, we already knew that the FBI has sort of reemphasized domestic terrorism as a priority. It is a priority from the FinCEN list that we saw back back in June. But also there were no deaths in 2021 from domestic terrorism. So even the experts that have been critical uh, of the responses of law enforcement, administrations, what have you, have said that's, that's the good news. And so I think there's something to be said for that. I think the challenge though, as they all say, is trying to, maybe predict is the wrong word, but trying to be proactive uh, for those that are becoming radicalized. And that's where Dennis comes in. And he talks a lot about that in our in our conversation. But also, I think from our standpoint, um, you know, the AML professionals, you give us more uh, guidance and direction and red flags, we're better equipped to report at least what we see financially, right? Yes. And, and every one of these events also has some kind of a, uh, a financial footprint, again, going to back to Dennis and his insights about 9-11 that uh, in what ultimately became TFOS, you know, when when he was asked, he said, who's looking at the financial side of this? And 
Uh, it wasn't a standard part of the uh, of the law enforcement analytics at the time, but certainly 20 years later it is. And uh, for those in the community, we've been looking for uh, the uh, the patterns and topologies and red flags and tip-offs uh, related to both uh, uh, international terrorism, but now for a while on domestic terrorism. And so uh, the more that that can be shared with the public, the more it shines a light on things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to do nefarious things and uh, plan nefarious things in the bright light of uh, sunshine. Right. And, and unlike 9-11, you know, now there's social media. There was the Internet then, but now there's really ways that people are going to be out there uh, in the open. That'll be noted. And so I think uh, it won't be ignored. I won't say it was ignored before, but obviously it wasn't considered in the same, the same severity as perhaps it would be today. So that's good. I, I read a quote from some former DHS types who said that the biggest change between administrations is that this one, is actually not acknowledged that far-right terrorism is a thing. Um, now, that's a very general and broad statement, but I do think that we do have access to more information than we did before. And the fact that, you know, again, going back to the priority list from June, I think we can look for and welcome more direction. And when cases are brought, I think also some of the cases that are being um, prosecuted now for the, the, what I would call the terrorists on January 6th can give us, as you say, give us typologies, give us some direction as we learn when we see a, a trafficking case or we see an elder abuse case. So I think you just sort of put that in the same bucket. It'll just make us more prepared. Uh, and I know that, that there's, and I'll ask you this sort of as a final thing. I know we have to navigate privacy, small P, I would say, privacy, with um, suspicious activity, which we always do. And I think our community does it pretty well. But this is a space where people have to get away from the notion that everything that's said is First Amendment protected. Not that you question that statement, because there is First Amendment as broad as it should be. But we, we have to understand when people become radicalized. And I think if you notice that and you look at their financial footprints, sometimes you put two and two together and it might not be illegal, but it could certainly be suspicious. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we can't do uh, five, six, seven, eight minutes on the First Amendment because of its right, breadth, right. its breadth and complexity. But yep. the first, I mean, uh, you and I are both lawyers by training, and um, what we what I can say in in fifteen seconds is that the First Amendment is not so broad as to allow any speech. Exactly. Uh, that That's is right. clearly not the case, and the idea that as a result of that, anything anyone says becomes unreportable, whether that's, uh, you know, in a suspicious activity report or in other uh, media or me reporting mechanisms is, is just not accurate. And um, I think it's important. Uh, law enforcement continues to do investigations and to the extent that uh, the community can provide through the existing reporting mechanisms uh, assistance where appropriate, where they have a real, you know, suspicious uh, situation um, that 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 is a 
that it's the right thing to do and the effective thing to do to support um, to support the uh, uh, the efforts of law enforcement. And I'm you know me, John, I'm not a big flag waver, but it it really is the patriotic thing to do, you know. Um, right. The word, and, uh, the word yeah. patriot's been thrown around a lot in the last year and a half, too. And I think, you know, I think it's been co-opted and, you know, preserving our democracy, which is a pretty amazing thing, um, really is what being a patriot is all about. I agree with that, I guess. And uh, no, I guess. Uh, but the last thing I will mention is uh, Attorney General Garland's speech the other day where basically they said, look, we're moving slowly, but we're moving slowly with a purpose in terms of holding people accountable. We will learn more as the year goes through from the, from the uh, uh, January 6th commission and, and all, all those sorts of things. So watch this space. Uh, obviously our community can do a lot here. And our point in just having this conversation is we can't add to all the insightful comments that have been made in the past couple of days. But what we can say is this is time for us as a community to step up. And I know we will do that and we'll, we'll stay on it here. Yes. Uh, so I will um, talk to you next week. I'll do the shameful plug for our podcast series. If you enjoyed this podcast and our series and our other uh, AML conversations uh, interactions, please find us on Spotify or Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And John, when's our next, um, our next webinar? Well, we have a couple in, uh, January, but the one I wanted to not not highlight, but point out because it's a little different than what we've done before. We're going to be working closely with the ACAMS uh, uh, DC chapter to do a program on on uh, January twenty fourth on uh, gaming in in AML. So I think you're going to find that uh, particularly insightful. I know we're also doing one during uh, January, Elliot, that deals with transaction monitoring, another issue that our clients have cared deeply about. Yeah. So, and John, I will speak to you next week. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. You too. Bye-bye.